This is the Athletic Hockey Show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Athletic Hockey Show. It's Thursday. It's Haley Salvi and Max Boltman. And that's right, Sean Gentilly. He's back from his mysterious disappearance last week. We said that it was because Michigan won. We said that it was because Michigan won the national championship and you didn't want to look at Max for an hour. Can you confirm or deny? I'm always down to look at Max for an hour, if not more, but it was it wasn't not a factor. Yeah. Uh, but yes, we're back. I know it's been a while since we've had a show of just the three of us um, because the holidays, because the PWHL, um, because of Michigan. Uh, but we're back and we're over the midway point of the NHL season now. And the Stanley Cup is anyone's to win. And Dom had a really great piece about how the field is wide open. He had 14 reasonable contenders and very few teams actually separating themselves from the pack. Before we kind of get into some of the teams, can we just talk very quickly about how it's made this season a bit more fun in the sense of like, it's not just the Bruins who are running away with things. Like the standings are constantly changing, um, you know, different teams. You Like you could reasonably pick, again, like more than a dozen teams to say, I'm going to get behind this team. I think it's made it more fun. Thoughts? I agree. <laughs> and I, I, I like a villain as much as anybody else when there's like a big, you know, bad, you know, Kentucky men's basketball in that year. They had all the uh, sure thing, first round picks and all that. I think it's good for sports when there's one of those, but I also think it's yeah. good when it is wide open and when so many fan bases have hope, I'm like kind of not to jump ahead, but like, thinking of what it's going to mean for the trade deadline. And if there Mm -hmm. are really 14 NHL GMs that see themselves as a legit Stanley Mm -hmm. Cup contender, that maybe breaks a a streak of some pretty boring trade deadlines, I feel like, of the last couple of years. So uh, that's kind of where my thought goes, is that it's good for... Uh, for a bunch of fan bases and in, in having the hope and and hopefully for all of us as as observers to see teams that believe they can win it because yeah it, it is fun when you see like a a powerhouse get knocked off and that happened in the first round last year mm-hmm. but I also feel like it's it's good when a, when they're it, it going in you know any any one of these playoff teams nearly could win the whole thing right it's not just because we don't have a beast like the Bruins on top of the, on top of the league either. I think part of it is because there's just so many similarly matched teams, let's say like stacked between, you know, we'll say like fourth place and 12th place. Like that, like you got, you got Toronto, Toronto's 12th in points percentage. They're at 595. And then all the way up there still in the sixes is Colorado at six seventy-eight. And that's that's eight, they're eight spots ahead of them, right? So there's uh, to me, this this season's more about the middle class, like kind of yeah. jostling it out, like in that second, in that second mm-hmm. tier. Yeah, maybe, maybe the Bruins, the, the the Bruins are still up there. The Jets are the Jets are, you know, on a run. The Canucks have been a blast in a lot of in a lot of different ways. But then behind them, if you like treat them maybe as the top three, maybe Colorado, but with them to an extent, there's a whole bunch of teams that are fighting for position, particularly in the East. So I think that's, mm-hmm. 
I think that's kind of one of the, the one of the different one of the differentiation points too. You don't have like sure you don't have the record setting you know first seed from the moment the puck drops like we got last year in Boston, but then mm-hmm. that 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 middle class I think is is pretty compelling as well. When when the teams that are at the top, when you, when you talk about like Winnipeg as the the highest points percentage team in the league right now, mm-hmm. that I think adds to it because I still don't really believe in Winnipeg as that level team. Mm-hmm. I know Haley does, yeah. but like that adds <laughs> to the intrigue that like the team that would be you know the the, the team Correct. to knock off. I'm still kind of waiting for them to slip on a banana peel, and totally. whether that's right or wrong. I'd I mean, th- to the th- Bruins, th- to a lesser extent, like the Bruins are still an interesting team to consider as well because like they don't really have that without a doubt, one C. And I think what makes us having this conversation on January 17th interesting is because of what you mentioned, Max, like the deadline is going to change a lot of these teams and a lot could still change. Like we, you know, I do really like the Winnipeg Jets right now, but like they had a very bad second half last year. They were good in the first half of the season last year and fell off a cliff to the point where like the Flames almost made the playoffs uh, because the Jets were so bad. Uh, towards the end of the year so a lot could still change we're still you know just over the midpoint of the nhl season which i think makes this kind of fun i have vancouver's in that group too like i don't want to keep i don't want to have the canucks pdo discussion again i don't want to litigate the luck or lack thereof of vancouver every single week or on every single pod because i feel like that's part of what happens but like it's something to pay attention to like typically Mm -hmm. teams don't last (laughs) for an entire year at the shooting percentage that they are that, that they are team wide, like lots of guys on that team are over twenty percent, like random ones too. So if they keep it up, great, more power to them. It all counts, but you also have to acknowledge to some extent that like it's not super likely that it does. So you have that, you know that yeah, Haley. I think you're totally right. The teams at the top, you know, have warts maybe that that, that we haven't mm-hmm. seen uh, in in the past. Absolutely. So let's get into a few of these options here. Um, We don't need to get into all of them. I'll quickly list the 14, I guess. This is from Dom and this is in order um, of likelihood or chances at winning the Stanley Cup. So the team that has gotten its way to the top with the best odds, it's the Edmonton Oilers, which I think is interesting. Um, Ian and Julian talked about that on the Wednesday show, show. So we don't need to get into Oilers too much, but it is notable that they went from being like horrible at the start of the season, losing um, their coach. McDavid didn't look great. Now they have the best odds at 15% at winning the Stanley Cup at this kind of middle point of the season. Then we've got the Carolina Hurricanes, Winnipeg Jets, Boston Bruins, Dallas Stars, Florida Panthers, Colorado Avalanche, Toronto Maple Leafs, New York Rangers, Pittsburgh Penguins, Vancouver Canucks, LA Kings, Vegas Golden Knights. And New Jersey Devils. I think it's very funny um, that the Canucks have worse odds than the Penguins do at this point. And I feel like that's just because Dom's a hater and his model reflects that. But I don't think we need to really. <laughs> PDO, baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, Niels Hogman Niels <laughs> shooting 27% or whatever. It has an adverse yeah. effect on, on a team's yeah. uh, projected cup chances, according to Dom. Mm, Which for the yeah. uninitiated PDO, we should probably say PDO shooting percentage plus save percentage, right? These things like over over yeah. the league, they they average out to about usually you're going to shoot about ten percent as the team. You're going to have about a ninety percent save percentage. Usually it's going to be about a hundred, right? And yeah. for the uh, <laughs> you know it could be could be a little under, but usually about about a hundred. For the Vancouver Canucks, it's one hundred four point five. I think is mm-hmm. what it is right now, Sean. 
which tells you they're they're getting about five percent luckier than the average team than you expecting that you have to think that that's going to regress and yet to sean's point we've been saying that for literally three months now yeah some people see that number and some people see that number and get mad I don't. I see a team with a 105 yeah. PDO, and I'm like, cool, okay. Let's 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 see if they can keep it up. It doesn't doesn't bother me. Certain like, people are bothered by it. Mm-hmm. Certain people with lots of consonants in their last names, perhaps, mm-hmm. are bothered by it, but not me. Yeah. Um, can I just say that I think that PDO being a stat is just kind of annoying. Like, can we not just talk about shooting percentage and say percentage? Like we didn't need to put them together in my opinion. With an acronym that bears no resemblance to <laughs> like, either I of just, them. I didn't need right? that in my life. And I'm not an analytics hater. I love expected goal rates. Love Corsi. Uh, PDO, it, not for me. It's a throwback to, you know, 2007 or whatever whenever stats were named after the internet commenters who realized that they were important that's a that's all that's all pdo is it was some dude named pdo just like fenwick was some was matt fenwick like it's just named after whoever's like oh yeah this, that's this what it's like, named after yeah yeah it was it was a commenter whose handle Who's was the PDO, like, man jim uh, that's jim corsi who was uh, oh. a goaltending coach for the sabers who kept track who kept track of shot attempts I'm so I feel glad like that you're we have joking. someone who is around. I'm, de- I'm dead. I'm though. dead serious. <laughs> Max, say that again. <laughs> so I'm so glad we have someone that was around for the invention of stats on the show. When stats were <laughs> discovered by the by the paleontologists of the hockey world. And that brings up. <laughs> I was watching. I was watching people fight about numbers about <laughs> hockey stats on the internet when you guys were when you guys were in middle school, baby. <laughs> Uh, and that brings us to the first team I want to talk about, and that is the majesty of old man Sidney Crosby still playing well. Uh, and I say that mostly tongue-in-cheek. I think Sean and I have discussed this um, off the show. We've both been on Canadian radio stations in the last few days um, where we were asked about, like, <laughs> essentially, like, Sidney Crosby still good at 36. Thoughts? Like, isn't this... Isn't this miraculous? And I think, you know, the Penguins are obviously in this list of contenders because of their core. And Sidney Crosby is obviously a very big part of that. He's 36 years old, yes. uh, And he's on pace to score 51 goals this season. The last time he scored over 50 was uh, 2010. uh, So over a decade ago at this point. That's like three hockey lifetimes ago for Sidney Crosby. Because that's that's pre-concussion. That's pre like dip mm-hmm. in the mid in the mid in the mid tens team wise when you know penguins coach pen, penguins had coaching thing coaching issues whatever that's yeah. pre pre uh, back to back cups in sixteen and seventeen and now we're we're like we're like post that so let's say that's yeah. like four that that's four hockey lifetimes ago for for Sidney Crosby yeah he last scored fifty. It's like literally yeah. across eras of the game. Sean, do you remember yeah. during the pandemic, we did those rewatch series and we did <sighs> one on the Red Wings Penn Stanley Cup final. I don't even remember which one it was, mm-hmm. but what stuck with me was a, a comment you made in that one. We probably did do both of, of this looks like a different game than the game we know today. This, this might've been the yeah. end of this era, but it's right around that time. I think 2010 still fits into that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what, what you want to label it, but it was not the, the hockey that we watch today. And he's going to accomplish this in both eras. Yeah. Which is like, I think what's so interesting though, is we had a similar conversation 
about Evgeny Malkin early in the year about people being thinking like, you know, why is he not in the top 100 and people being surprised that he's actually been good over the last few years. And I think the Crosby conversation comes with like a question of like, did people not think he was good over the last few years? Like, why are people surprised that Crosby is in fact still good? Is it just because of the age? Is it because they don't watch the Penguins? Because he is, you know, the Penguins best player right now. Um, Josh Yoey did. He's, some Penguins he's getting with, he's cards. getting with- He's going to win MVP. He's if if they if they make the playoffs. I've said this for weeks. If they make the playoffs, he's going to win MVP because the narrative is going to be such that you know if they make the playoffs, he's going to he's also going to have scored fifty goals because that's what they're going to need from him if if they want to make the playoffs. The narrative is going to be going to be too going to be too good to pass up. I'm calling it now. Yeah, and I think some of the stats too. Um, this was from Josh Yowie's report cards. Obviously, uh, we already mentioned Crosby's on pace for 51 goals. He currently leads the NHL in faceoff wins, faceoffs taken. Um, he scored a bunch of like clutch goals for the Penguins this year, whether it's game winners, game tying goals, just timely goals. Um, and he's top 10 in five on five points and goals in the NHL right now. Um, and I just think it's interesting because of instead of just like appreciating that Sidney Crosby is still one of the best players in the league, it's this narrative of like, what a miracle that this old man is still playing well. And I think, I guess I get it because there are so many young players playing a different style of game, right? We're seeing Connor Bedard and Trevor Zegris, Jack Hughes, um, the kind of YouTube era, like highlights from young mm-hmm. players that people maybe don't like appreciate that Sidney Crosby's still one of the best complete players in the NHL. What it is for me is we have this kind of like lore in, in hockey, I think especially, but across sports that as players age, their game fundamentally has to change in some way and that you're watching a different player uh, at age 20 than the one you're watching at age 35 because mm-hmm. of all these limitations. It, it's right. sometimes it's, it's a maturation, but oftentimes it's like, well, he doesn't have the wheels anymore. So he's got to be this guy. And, and in my head, I had penciled that in for Sidney Crosby, that he was still a top, whatever, 10 player in the sport, but it was mm-hmm. because of his maturity. And, and he's always had that. He's the superstar grinder. That's who he is. Right. But he, it was yeah. because he was the ultimate, like checking number one center who could still, you know, dazzle you from from time to time make these you know all world passes and all this stuff i don't think Mm -hmm. i thought at any point in the last five years he had 50 goal season in him i thought if anything we were just going to see him start to win more like selkies and stuff like that right come kind of that bergeron and i think we we look for that in in athletes we look for them to to adapt and change and he has but he's also still Sidney crosby but he's not like a selkie forward though too like i like like people keep trying to want to put him in that in that that or put the put that peg in the hole yeah and like he's not that good defensively like he's like he's fine <gasps> like 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 his he is a he is a, a an offensive play driver and an offensive producer first and foremost still so i feel like people yeah. trying to like route him to the steve eiserman yes trice bergeron next like, wave of career late, moment later in later in the career so like it 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 does it has done a disservice to what a transcendent offensive talent this guy still is like yeah. people threw a little bit too much dirt on his grave when it came when it is with regards to him as an elite offensive player and it happened way too soon and i think right. a big part of this too a big part of this too and, and a big part of the reason i think people seem surprised or shocked or whatever 
part of it can be just celebrate. It can just be like, wow, take a, take a look at Sidney Crosby, 36. This is amazing. Cause it is, it's true. Like we typically yeah. see he's at that point now where we see even elite top 10, top 15 all time players. This is when they hit the wall. I mentioned Joe Sackick earlier. He was great until he wasn't. And it was an overnight mm-hmm. thing. And it was true of Eiserman to an extent too. So he's in that age group now. But I think a big part of it is because of Pittsburgh's 2022-23 season, right? They stunk. That was a mess. They missed the playoffs. Ron Hexall yeah. gets fired. It's like a, there's this a level of dysfunction organizationally that we hadn't seen from them in a while. And that was the overriding narrative about right. that. People just forgot season. he scored 90 points. <laughs> the narrative, the narrative for that for the last season of Penguins hockey should have been that they failed Sidney Crosby and that they wasted yeah. an uh, like maybe not an all time season but something approaching it from a guy at his age. He was unbelievable last year, and that is mm-hmm. how bankrupt, bankrupt, and blown out, and screwed up that roster was. Is that they couldn't even <laughs> make that stand up. They wasted yeah. a prime year. That's what, the, and, and it's a tweak, right? It, it's it's not like it's all that different from from what the overriding narrative was, but but it's just different enough. Yeah. And I think that primed the pump for people to be like, "Wow, like he's still super productive and would have and whatever this year." Guess yeah. what? He was he was <laughs> last year too. The, the team just sucked too much for it to matter. Yeah. Okay, Sean, you're talking about that and, and us pigeonholing him as the silky guy trying to do the Steve Eisman thing got my curiosity. And so I, I pulled up the hockey reference page. I need your help refreshing my memory on this. When was the peak of like Crosby concussion fear? That's like 12, 13 <laughs> fear. Okay. So it was, uh, mm-hmm. it was the 2011 winter classic was when he was it initially was, injured and mm-hmm. he basically lost. It was like two, it was like two years after that. Right. It was, I would say play. probably leading into the next season, leading into the 2012 season is when stuff was really, really ugly. And, but he lost, you know, pretty much, I did the math a million years ago at Sporting News to try to figure out how many how many goals and how many points we missed out, and it was like you know in the hundreds, obviously, but it yeah. was but it was that it was twenty eleven, twelve, and then twelve thirteen basically were the yes. were, were the ones he that, didn't play a full season until thirteen fourteen or ten. It was ten eleven is when it started. Eleven twelve yeah. was the one that was really screwed. up. That was lost. That was yes. the lost year. That was twenty two. He only played twenty two games in and then 11, into twelve thirteen, which was the shortened year. There's, yeah. am I, I, I'm, I was in high school, so help me. Was there an idea that like, he's going to be a different player when he comes back? I think it was just like, can this dude stay healthy and stay in the lineup? Because then he yeah. got hurt again. He broke his jaw. Like that was, yeah. that was, uh, that was a mess of a year too. Kind of for, kind of for other reasons. Right. I, it was, yeah. it was like, it, I, I can, I can say confidently that at that point it was like, is Sidney Crosby going to be okay? Is he going to have like yeah. something resembling a full, a full career? What's his life going to look like outside of hockey? Like there was concern. It wasn't like, Hey, when's this dude going to get back to scoring goals at a, at a 60 goal pace. So as we then talk about the narrative, okay. Prior to that, Sidney Crosby's got one season where he was on a selkie ballot of any kind. He finished 30th for it in mm-hmm. uh, 2009, 10. He's still young, it's, but he's, he's had seven, I think seasons to that point. Since then, starting with the 2012-13 season, he has been getting Selkie votes every year but one, which was 2019-20 when he only played uh, 41 games, and he has been top 20 on 
all but one of those years in which he got it. So <laughs> if you want to say like, we just all started saying Sidney Crosby, yeah. like he's going to have to become the Selkie guy. You might be able to just track it in the ballots and see us as a hockey media pigeonholing that in real time. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I guess years, here's, here, here's what I'll say too. There, there were years where that was maybe not true, but close to it, right? Where he was for a, by, by his standards, he was playing his best, his best two way hockey of his career. That's mm -hmm. not the way it is anymore. And if you're looking for decline, ironically, over the last couple of years, you could start with his defensive impacts. Like if you're looking in some area where Sidney Crosby's maybe just like, you know, starting to show little itty bitty signs of signs of being born in 1987, like it's probably on that side of the puck because God knows we're not seeing it, seeing it offensively. Sean, th three of the bottom four of his expected goals against per 60, the worst the worst four, three of the bottom four of the last three seasons, which just doesn't. I, it's it's funny. It's funny. Head. Like that's yeah. And like, who am, who am I to sit there and start fights on the internet whenever people talk about Krazy being like sell, being on their selkie ballot? Like he shouldn't be. He should make. You should be on your heart ballot. Like don't go a, you know don't this. don't do don't do him that disservice and don't yeah. do disservice to the dude who should be fourth or fifth in the Selkie ballot that you bump out because yeah. you just feel obligated to put Crosby on there. He doesn't deserve it. Yeah. Bypass it. Vote this man for heart. Don't vote yeah. him for Selkie. Vote Anze Kopitar for Selkie until he retires. And no Kings fans will yell at you. This is the last. We've got to move on from the Crosby conversation. But like, I, I, this we is, don't. But like this, but you know what? I'm like wanting to ditch the entire I plan I had for the show because yeah. this is so interesting. But like, this is the one... And I feel like this is going to take a while to sift through. But like when you just look at how good Crosby was and how good the Penguins were, like I always think about this. If the concussions did not happen because they come off their first cup in 08-09, right? Um, Crosby's a 100-point player and uh, 09-10 again. And then the concussions start for those three years. If those concussions do not happen... Sidney Crosby probably has at least one more Hart Trophy, one more Art Ross Trophy, and one more Stanley Cup. Like the Penguins win one more Stanley Cup in there. They don't have to wait until the 16-17 back-to-back to win another cup. They win one in mm -hmm. that three-year span, correct? We're all in agreement? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to the Oilers pretty quickly just because they are the team that has the highest odds at winning the Stanley Cup as of right now. I just, Daniel Nugent Bowman had something after they hit their 10th win in a row. They're now at 11 wins in a row after beating the Toronto Maple Leafs on Tuesday night, four to two, another blown lead uh, and another loss for the Leafs, by the way, the Oilers are 21 and six under their new head coach. <laughs> They've only allowed 19 goals against over their 11 game win streak. That's less than two goals against per game. They're scoring closer to four goals Per game, so outscore. They're typically winning these games like four two, four one. Mm -hmm. um, they become the favorite to win the cup, and they've dug themselves out of the massive hole that they were in. I just think this is what we expected from the Edmonton Oilers, right? Like, there's a ton to like about the team. They've got the best player on earth. They have one of the best top lines in the league right now with McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, and Zach Hyman. Obviously, you get Drysital on the second line. They're dominant at five on five. Their defense looks better. Like Stuart Skinner's average, like I feel like this is what we all came into the season thinking the Oilers were going to be. 
And that last piece is the key. Stuart Skinner is, mm-hmm. is average because that was what they were missing. Everything told us that this team shouldn't have been as bad as they were. There's reasons, in fact, that I think that they looked like they McDavid was slumping. But Zach Hyman having this kind of season, if you told anyone that going into the year and that McDavid and Dreisaitl would be largely healthy, you're thinking that this is a runaway cup fit because he's having himself an unbelievable season. And it, I, I think it was just goaltending was was the mm-hmm. key and if you have an average goaltender I, yeah I, that might be this the key yeah i mean like i i'm i was trying to bring up Stu skinner's stats like over the last you know over the last month or so but I, it's it's what it's what they need right like it's not I, I think we i think we knew that from the start not to go back to not to go back to pdo necessarily but it's true <laughs> like they were insanely unlucky um, and from a shooting standpoint, also insanely lucky, unlucky from a, from, from a goaltending standpoint, right? Here, here we go. Since, since December 1st, Stu Skinner is fifth in the league in goal saved above expected, uh, according to evol- evolving hockey His his adjusted save percentage, uh, is, is nine twenty eight. So he hasn't been average. He's been great. Right. So if you have that, that kind of play combined with, uh, combined with, what we've come to expect from McDavid and Alston, like, like you guys said, Zach Hyman's been phenomenal and Ryan yeah. Schnapkin, like all, 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 all these guys who are producing at, at a high level. If you throw in a nine twenty eight goaltender, who's like mm-hmm. top five or top seven for a meaningful stretch in, in, in totally. any statistic, man, you are in trouble. They are, yeah. they are a problem. Yeah. I th- guess I should like specify. He hasn't been average lately. I think you just have to like, hope he's going to at least be average. Like if Stuart Skinner Mm -hmm. is at least an average goalie, the Oilers are going to be very good. I think I misspoke. Like he's been very good, but even if he's not like, they're going to be okay. As long as he's not as bad as he was early. It evens out to average, right? Like, like he was, he was horrendous and now he's, now he's been really good. Like the end end result is you say like this guy's, on balance, he's mid. It's just been yeah. also like for the Stuart Skinner, by the way, like I, Jack Campbell took all the slack early on and rightfully so he was, he was, he was bad. Skinner he was, was very, he, Skinner was very bad at the beginning of the season. He was terrible, terrible. Yeah. Campbell was the front man for the, for the struggles, understandable, but Skinner, Skinner, Skinner deserves some slack there too. He was no oh. good. And he's up to league exactly league average. Nine hundred three is exactly league average this yeah. season. There you go. People need to get their minds around that because it's the lowest we've seen league average since like two thousand five. Dude, that's so true. That's that's, that's such so an important that's such an important point to make. I think for yeah. especially for maybe us because you're used to thinking like what's that like nine fourteen nine six nine ten seven whatever. Always uses the baseline. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Interesting. Good stat, Paul Max. We're lucky to have you. You know what's one interesting uh, as I was looking through this, the Vegas Golden Knights um, only have, I believe, a three percent chance at winning the Stanley Cup, according to Dom's model. Um, I think he quoted like PDO in that one as well, and I hate it. Like this has become the PDO cast. Ugh, sorry, it's a great name for a podcast. You know what? Somebody should do that. Um, it sounds like a great idea. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was one thing that Dom kind of said their fatal flaw was that they used up all their PDO last year and, and early in the season and the Golden Knights have just been okay. I think the reason to bet on the Golden Knights is that we've very recently seen them have success in the postseason. Um, but Jack Eichel, he's week to week after <laughs> this. I'm sorry. I just thought this was so funny. Lower body surgery. Uh, mm-hmm. His entire lower body uh, surgery. He's <laughs> <laughs> reattached to his upper body. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jack Eichel's entire lower body was uh, surgically repaired. Uh, so he's week to week. So that obviously has an impact. But I don't know. I guess I was just surprised that the Golden Knights have have dropped off so much after winning a Stanley well, Cup last it's year. A, it's a flip. At least it's according to Dom. It is. It's a flip of their luck. Like that's kind of yeah. what he means by saying they used up all their PDO, and he's saying to some extent that they used it up at the start of the season when they were scoring goals at a rate that dramatically outpaced uh, the the positions that they were putting themselves in. I know we this is this is a little bit old, but you know whatever. It's yeah. it's from they've played two games since then, but in the three weeks before you know while we were on our little holiday break from doing the power rankings, they were scoring 42% of the goals on 47% of the, of the expected goals. Right. So now they're mm-hmm. getting unlucky again. And it's like, it has that feel to some extent of like the chickens coming home to roost, right. Where they, yeah. they were, they were buoyed by, by a hot shooting run and some you know, strong goal tending at the, at the start. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that <laughs> at the start of the season and maybe down the stretch last year. And now it's like the pendulum is swung back and then things are starting to normalize mathematically and they're And they're taking mm-hmm. a hit because of it. Yeah. And I mean, but they're still like on pace to be a hundred point team. I just find the Vegas Golden Knights so interesting because of they're on pace to have a hundred points or second in the Pacific. Um, they're not a bad team, but I don't know if there's a lot of people who are lining up to say they're going to go back to back. And I think part of that is because the Jets are playing so well, um, you know, because of the Avs. Now, I don't think the Avs are a great team this year. I think they have great players. Um, but I also think the Avs are a team that could look different potentially after the trade deadline. And I think the Dallas Stars um, and obviously the Canucks and the Kings, like there's just more to talk about in the West than there mm-hmm. was last year, right? Like we talked so much last season about how the East was going to be a dogfight and that everyone just kind of knew like the West, like look at the, look at Vegas, they're, they're the beast of the West. Um, and it's kind of switched this season, right? I just love that the Avs, like main approach for the last like month has been, wow, we're going to play Miko Rantanen and Nate McKinnon, uh, yeah. 25 minutes a night, like, like whatever, mm-hmm. that's it. Like, like we're not, we're not trying to force feed the remade middle six. Like, yeah, we're like, not trying to play Ryan Johansson 30 nope. minutes. Right? You guys, you guys, you guys take care of business, please. Is there uh, a team that stands it? out for you, Max? Um, the Rangers, I guess, are, are the one that I keep when I when I see this vacuum. It it's kind of the Rangers for a few reasons. I think I think starting with in goal, I just look for a team, and it, maybe this is counterintuitive because last year when there was a vacuum, it ended up going to the team that I would have said had the least certainty mm-hmm. uh, in goal at the time. But Aiden Hill mm-hmm. turned himself into that. Um, and so when I see that vacuum, I think Igor Shosturkin's awesome. The Rangers are super deep. They have all these pieces. Demi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, they've got a great defense core. I, I kind of keep coming back to them. But at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm not sure that they're a better team than the Carolina Hurricanes in their own division. I'm not sure that they're a better team than the Boston Bruins or the Florida Panthers in the same conference. It's mm-hmm. possible they don't get out of the second round. And it, it's really, it's possible they don't get out of the first round. And I think that's what makes it an exciting year. But that 
where I stand now, that's kind of where I'm leaning is, is toward the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's wide open. Like, part I think what's, part of that's because it's just Durkin. He's 40th yeah. in save percentage. He's got yeah. six and a quarter goals saved above expected. Like that dude has been average. He's certainly been mm-hmm. not the guy that we've been that we've been accustomed to seeing. And I think a yeah. ton hinges on 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 his performance specifically. But I guess that's like kind of where I'm coming from. Is like if you can be where they're at and you know that you have these things. Igor Shosturkin is a better goalie than that. He was my MVP vote two years ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think like if, if if they're this good and he's just been average, you're gonna get better than average Igor the rest of the way. And if you get it at the right time, it will lead you directly to a Stanley cup. I think what's interesting though, is think of how many of us in our Stanley cup picks and our playoff picks got burned just by going for like, who's the better goalie on paper, like Igor Shesterkin lost to VTech Vanacek in the first round. When you look yeah. at the goalie head to head, like after the first and second round of the playoffs, you know, Connor Hellebuck, Igor Shesterkin, Ilya Sorokin, like all the big dogs were out. And we are talking about Aiden Hill, <laughs> you know, like top dog goalies didn't actually get us much last year, the postseason, um, which is so interesting because I do feel like even though we saw that last year, all of us still like for me, when I'm looking at the Jets, one of the reasons I'm like, I did this on, I was on Sportsnet radio the other day and it was like, who do you want? Like, how do you rank the Canadian teams in terms of like, Who's going to win the playoffs? Like if you had a million dollars, it was a good question. This was JD Bunkus. It was like, if you had a million dollars to split up and bet on Canadian teams, like how are you divvying up the money with within your top four or whatever? Are you just putting a mill on the Oilers? Are you splitting it between the Oilers and the Jets? And like, I just naturally gravitated towards the Canucks and the Jets because of Connor Hellebuck and Thatcher Demko, even though we saw last year that that didn't need crap uh when it came down to it so i'm gonna be really curious to see if that's like a new trend or it's gonna course correct but like i do think our gut will typically say like well i like this goalie better so i'm gonna go with him and also sometimes like elite goalies just have bad years like it's like it happened with demko like the you know sometimes Mm -hmm. it doesn't change like their body of work maybe doesn't change how i feel about them and you know, a macro in a yeah. macro sense, but like it's a weird position. Sometimes dudes have yeah. off years and maybe that's where we are with Shesterkin. Like maybe this is just who he's going to be for, for the next few months. We're yeah. past the point now though, where, and I, and I say this because I, because I do the power rings every damn week. And I feel like so many <laughs> times it's been like, at some point Shesterkin's going to, going to write the ship and whatever. And like, sometimes it just doesn't happen. It's January 17th when like the, the, the we're recording this, it, it, it might not, it just might not be his year. Yeah. Can I bet okay. the exchange rate equivalent of a million dollars on us teams instead? <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Se- 740 grand or whatever. There you go. The Canadian dollar is just foul right now. It really is worthless. <laughs> it's really not great. If you're a Canadian who spends a lot of time in America for whatever reason, um, okay, let's wrap it fire through a few more teams here. I really just wanted to hit the Canes because they've quietly in very Carolina fashion become the favorite to come out of the East. They had a very slow start. I don't know if anyone was actually worried though. Like I think nobody was really talking about like, are the Canes okay? Cause it was like, yeah, they'll, they'll course correct. It'll be fine. Rod will figure it out. Svechnikov will be healthy again. Um, yeah, they're, they have the best odds in the East to to win the Stanley Cup and, and get out of the Eastern Conference. 
Um, the one thing that scares me though, and this is why the Canes are a good team to bring up right now is actually is the goaltending. They mm-hmm. ran back a goalie duo from the last two seasons, re-signing Freddie Anderson and Auntie Ranta uh, in the off season. Anderson lasted six starts before being sidelined with blood clotting issues. Um, and Ranta struggled uh, to the point where he had an AHL assignment and uh, Kachetkov has been, I think just okay. Um, nine, so I think nine hundred save percentage in twenty three games yeah, so far. Right, so yeah, below average slash average adjacent. Um, so I don't know. I feel like the Canes are gonna do their thing. I don't know. I just I there's no They're team scoring. in the East that I feel comfortable being like I, I'm putting all my money on you right now, and the, the Canes, Canes are kind of one of them. The Canes are doing it because they're scoring goals. Like that power play is sick right now. It, it, it's, yeah. it's been over 50% for like a protracted amount of time. Aho looks great. Mm-hmm. Svechnikov looks great. Like they have juice at yeah. the top of the lineup. It's just kind of ironic that now when this seems like it's coming together at the right time after years of getting solid goalie play, whether it was Anderson, whether it was Nadelkovich, whether it was Ranta, how who pick one. Over yeah. the last over the last however many years, now it seems like, you know, that could be their problem moving forward. It's fascinating. But that's yeah. what's interesting to me is like this Canes team is giving up more goals than any yep. of like th- this era of Canes team, mm-hmm. and I don't. Yeah. And they're outscoring it, and I just don't understand why. Like, what has changed? Right. Is it is it a, it's the same cast more or less? Is it not? Like, why are they scoring more than they have ever been able to before? Is it just I, like? I, it's going to level out eventually kind of thing. Like, are we going to be in the first round of the playoffs? But are we going to be in the first round of the playoffs and once again saying, like, who's going to score for this Canes team? Like, that's been the conversation when it's mattered most. If Andrei Sveshnikov becomes who everybody thinks he can become, like, all bets are off for for them. Like, that's what it takes. It it takes, it's going to take one more elite offensive player or something approaching it. Svechnikov's been at a point per game so far this season. Seth Jarvis has been really good too. And if that's <laughs> what it is, right? If if it's a guy like Jarvis who gets better, and if yeah. it's a guy like Svechnikov who levels up into being like a legit 85 point, 90 point player reliably year in, year out, and they mm-hmm. have a power play that's been as lethal as, as it is, like that's the step that everybody's looked for them to make, yeah. right? That's the, that's that's the level that everyone's believed that they've been able to hit. It's just unfortunate that it's coming in a year where Freddie Anderson's hurt, P- Peter Kachetkov's mm-hmm. been fine, and Ronta was bad enough to get waived a few weeks ago. Yeah, and we should... Um, Tara Vinan's having a better year. He's having a bounce back, at least when it comes to production. He already has more goals in 43 games this year than he did last year, and I think that was one of the things that maybe wasn't great for the Canes last year in terms of their like scoring up and down the lineup as Tara Vinan took a step back. He only had 12 goals and 37 points in 68 games, which was a big drop from the 22 and 65 he had the year prior. So I think Tara Vinan being better... Um, Michael Bunting's been okay. He's got like nine goals. Probably the they, bu- they got a bunch of dudes. That's still that, that's yeah. a really good five on five team. It's getting a little bit more goals there, and the power play's been unreal. Like it's it's I I don't think it's super complicated. So quick peek at cap friendly says they've got six point four million in projected deadline cap if they take this thing all the way down to oh. to March sixth or eighth or whatever it is. That's enough to add a, a player. If, yeah. If knowing everything we just talked about, the goals are going in and, and goaltending is a question. Goalie. But also the history. Mark Andre Fleury. Are you adding a goalie or are you adding a scorer? If, if, if I, if six million is enough to do either of those two things, but probably not both. 
I think if you have like by that point, we're going to be talking about 30 games or 35 games of Piotr Kachetkov. Like we're going to yeah. know what he is like for, for the foreseeable future by that point. If, yeah. And if he's, if we're still talking about him being 898, 901 save percentage or yeah. whatever, go get Flurry, go get Jacob Markstrom, go get whoever, because that's, Spicy. That, that's, that's, that's let's do it. Yeah. Tulski, <laughs> get it done. Eric. Boop, 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 boop. That's me calling Eric. <laughs> I did the beep, boop, boop for Tankathon last week without you. E- I did that last week on Tankathon, and Max was just like, What are you doing? I was like, This is why I need Sean. Doesn't get it. Because Max is like too serious. I was like, Why aren't you? Why are you I think not I was in a silly, something. goofy mood? I think I was reading something. Uh, Sean's we always in a silly, order. goofy mood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Producer Jeff is saying we have to take a break, but like very quickly, very quickly. <sighs> is Dougie Hamilton? Jeff doesn't run this show. I do. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. He's about to quit his job. He's like, I he's don't. He's gonna cut. He's gonna cut. Like, I don't get paid enough to deal with her crap. Um, is Dougie Hamilton enough to make the Devils good in time for the postseason? That's my very quick Devils question. Devils are already good enough for the postseason, and they just need a save or a couple bounces. And with their, Dougie Hamilton's going to help them uh, acquire those bounces. So I'll say yes, but I say the Devils are already good. I think the Devils are criminally uh, underrated given their place in the standings. I think they're still a top 10 team in the NHL, and they don't need to fix anything. Spicy. Except the goaltending. Torn pecs tough to come back from. We'll see. What'd you just say? Oh, torn peck. I thought torn you said peck corn. Is tough I to thought you said corn. Corn. I thought you said something about corn. Anyways, let's take a break. All right, welcome back. We are going to open up the mailbag. But first, there is something that we've been wanting to talk about over the last few weeks. And we're going to do it now, finally, because everyone's actually here. Uh, Sean's back. Because it's the 2018 defenseman draft class that we want to talk about um they're popping off this year they're playing great they've continued to play great and it's something that we've been kind of monitoring and wanting to talk about on the show yeah we waited for sean so we're talking about uh first overall pick rasmus Dahlin playing great uh we're talking about seventh overall pick quinn hughes excellent um except uh if you're dom he doesn't agree. Uh, 10th overall pick, Evan Bouchard, and 12th overall pick, Noah Dobson. That's four number one D-men from the 2018 draft class, killing it in 2023-24. Max, this is something that you've been like super passionate about. It's impressive yeah, I, to have that many good D coming out of the top 12, essentially. It's literally four of the top eight scoring defensemen so far this season, and I it, what's fascinating to me is we knew Rasmus Dahlin coming into the year. Obviously, he had a great year last year, and, and Quinn Hughes has always been in that in that grouping. Seems like this is kind of his year. This is the year of, of Quinn Hughes. He's the Norris favorite at the midpoint, all that stuff. But it wasn't until a few weeks ago that I noticed how the extent to which Noah Dobson and Evan Bouchard have like fully, fully arrived. And, yeah. and Dobson, I think, has been right at that. Like he's been like a fifty-point player and a really good defenseman for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. But he's now like just a bona fide number one defenseman and I'm, I'm fascinated by the paths that those two guys took they did not get thrust into the same like immediate giant minutes role that guys like Darlene and Hughes did yeah and so to see them kind of arrive and, and end up at the same conclusion 
uh, it just fascinates me. And, and we haven't even mentioned Keandre Miller yet in that conversation, who was right. the first yeah. pick in that same class, different mm-hmm. style of guy, but like, I, I think a, a clear cut top 4D. And I think I, I would argue a top pair of quality D. So okay. uh, fascinating to me of, of how good this class has been so far. Yeah, he's ahead 22nd the, overall. Ahead of the season when we were doing the player tiers project, I had an NHL director of amateur scouting tell me like he basically saw, he signed off on most of the most of the work that we did with the with the player tiers, which is always good. Like he, t- he didn't screw anything up, whatever. But he said the biggest mistake that you made was leaving Noah Dobson out of this list. Like he was, that was his, that was his thing. That was the thing that he banged the table for. He was like, he was like, this dude is already really good. He's going to get better. Every time we play against him, like, like, like I, I, I tell, I tell our guys, like he's the one you get, you have to account for. And mm-hmm. it's not that, not that, I mean, whatever he, did he make it into the tears? Like, no, but he was, in the discussion to an extent because of guys like that scouting director who, you know, kind of made the case for him. And now on January 17th, whenever we maybe do some kind of like revisit mid season revisiting yeah. of, of, of this coming up soon, he's going to be in the mix because he's been really, really, really good. I know he's not in the same tier, but um, Sean Dersey was, was in the 2018 draft as well. Um, and he's a top 10 scorer out of the 2018 draft class. So I just kind of filtered it on elite prospects. Brady Kachuk is the highest scoring player from the 2018 draft class. He was the fourth overall pick. Um, but Quinn Hughes is number two overall, the highest scoring defender. Then Rosmus Dahlin, then Noah Dobson, then Evan Bouchard, Keandre Miller, and then Sean Dersey. Um, so a ton of really impressive, offensively gifted defenders from that draft class. Absolutely. And, and Bouchard, I think too, like, like we focus on Dobson for good reason. Like he's, he's having a career year and, and like Bouchard, he, like you look at the underlying numbers that he's turning in. Th- this was the guy that like you thought, okay, yeah, really slick brain, uh, obviously mm-hmm. has a lot of offense, big shot, but is he going to be able to be the like all around horse that you really wanted? And he's yeah. just turned it into a resounding. Yeah. Like, yeah. What, what fascinates me the most about it is the difference in paths. Cause I think we're so eager that if a guy doesn't, become it in his first one two years but like Noah Dobson's first year in the NHL he played like 34 games and was getting 13 minutes a night and then year two yeah. he's getting 16 minutes a night and you're kind of like yeah he's a top four D but if you look at like his last two seasons like Sean you talked about the player tier project like what what differentiates his last two seasons from Moritz Sider just that Moritz Sider was meaner like <laughs> and, and now this year it explodes and, and Bouchard I think like I don't know it, it's I, I'm always going to get lost trying to talk about this stuff. Well, because what, Do- <laughs> like what, Dobson, what Dobson turned into last year was like an all situations horse where he was playing huge minutes in so many different phases of the game. And I think that was that leap that he made last year for sure. For sure. Yeah. Now, these, these guys are, these guys are good. Best class since what? Like, is this for you? Yeah. Is this start to get into the territory of 08? 08? Dowdy, Petrangelo, Carlson. Gojin Shen, like, are they there for you? I think I so. Think the high end, absolutely. Like, like you take the top, you take. I'll take the top five in this class versus the top five in that one. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, whatever. Do we have, I think so. I think so. Do we have like? Is there like a no doubt Hall of Fame? Like Drew Doughty's whatever. He's a Hall of Famer. Carlson's Hall of Famer. Carlson's Hall of Famer. 
I think Petrangelo yeah. get maybe. Yeah, those guys are great, but five though, because that's when you start yeah. talking about Bogosian and Shen, who are like tenured NHL players, like solid dudes, right? But by the time it's all said and done, are you gonna take them over? Uh, are you gonna take? Oh, no, you're right. You're taking Keandre Bouchard or Keandre people. Miller or, or, or Dobson. I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. Drew Doughty was second overall pick, then Zach Bogosian, number two, number three, excuse me, number four, Alex Petrangelo, then number five was Luke Shen. And those were the top D men. Tyler Myers was in that draft class, 12th overall. Eric yeah. Carlson was 15. Well, that's actually very funny. I think the, I think the high end, like, like again, top three is probably is 08 has, has, has them licked there. But I think when you get into that, like four to six, four to seven range, especially with the dude like Jersey, who's, who's looking like he's, yeah, for sure. For sure. Sandine, no, no. I mean, I'm saying if, if you, if you, we'll say consensus, you know, right now we, we think that Quinn and Darlene are, are the, are are the two, are the two best in that group. Right. But then the drop off between them and, I don't know, like how how three years from now, how how drastic is is the drop off from, yeah. from those two to like Dobson and Bouchard? Probably probably not that bad. I I, I it's think it's not that, that bad now. Five, yeah, I, right. Totally, you're right. Dobson plays. I'm like I'm like a, I'm like afraid. I'm like afraid to to even. Well, I think the problem that maybe is like a a hint of criticism of Quinn Hughes just because right. I just because that's a alarm that goes off for people. I think the problem for people who might be listening to this conversation that they might be having is the fact that like some of the guys from the top of the, that 2008 draft class, like they've won, uh, they've Mm -hmm. won Norris trophies. They've won Stanley cups, right? Like it's hard to look at drew Doughty's resume and say like, I would rather have Quinn Hughes over drew Doughty, even though the way that Quinn Hughes plays now, you would rather have him than drew Doughty. But you look at what drew Doughty accomplished over his career. And I mean, he's still, 100%. 100%. Minutes. So I think it's hard to have that, make that comparable because they play such different games. And, and that's Drew's like actually not even... like done something. And I'm not even saying that Quinn, I'm not trying to suggest like Quinn Hughes is a bum because he, you know, didn't win a Norris trophy in 2010 or whatever yeah. it was. And that's but for that's the record, the that's, that's not, that's not, that's not the comp that I'm, that I'm trying to draw. I'm saying like, I know, I was by the time it's all said and done, it's like, would I rather have Bouchard versus Bogosian? Like, probably like or, or 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 dobson versus you know luke shen like god i mean you have I to think so you have yeah. to. like but i get Haley's point is that like mm-hmm. the reason that that that, that this has snuck up on us is because if, years if one of these guys had won a cup by now yeah. we would have already been doing this but so many mm-hmm. of them have their teams are stuck everybody's dobson has had, had the most playoff success and he wasn't in that big of a role yet because the islanders yeah. were doing the islander thing yeah but i think it like i would take the 2018 class like ASAP as Sean said I would yeah I'd rather have Sean Dersey as the fifth best over who who uh who is that Jake Tyler Gardner. Myers or whatever yeah Jake Gardner yeah. was 17th overall that year you know Poor Jake yeah yeah I'd rather have Keandre Miller than Michael Delzato or even Let's then Bogosian and Shen. Like, <laughs> if you want your like big body physical guy, you, you take them over the guys that went in the top five in 08. Don't say um, anything bad about Luke Shen. I'm the president. Awesome of players, Luke's, valuable Luke's, players. Luke's troops, trademark. <laughs> by who? Yeah. By me. 
still patent pending. <laughs> really, um, the fact that I grew up in Toronto, like I was the target demographic for the Leafs bringing in Luke Shen last year. It was me. <laughs> 10-year-old Haley was Tons, like, oh my I, God, this is the greatest dude, day of my had, life. He has had, <laughs> that man has had an enviable career. Like he's made a ton of money. He's yeah. been on a lot of good teams. He's carved out a reputation as one of like the best dudes in the league. Like mm-hmm. I'll take Luke Shen's career a thousand yeah. times out of a thousand. Yeah. Just, don't, just, don't, just don't think he's a better hockey player than, yeah. you know, than yeah. Noah Dobson. No offense. Yeah. I, yeah. He, I love that he has gotten more appreciated the more he's yes. gone, yeah. like he gets Absolutely. a three-year deal at 2.75 mm-hmm. last off season. Yeah. Like when was the last time he was making 2.75? Was it like his second contract? I think he's making 3.6. He, signed, he, on his signed, second he deal. signed the big one with the, uh, when, when was that? That's a good, that's a good, the Leafs. Yeah. A, a 2011. It was a big one with the Leafs, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and everyone mm. since then has been like 1.2, 8, 7, 8, yeah. 8.5 or uh, eight, uh, sorry, 850. 700,000, 800,000. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now he gets the big one. He had more appreciated with age. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Luke's troops join us. <laughs> Stupidest crap. Uh, okay. Let's get to the mailbag here. That was a good topic i wish we could have spent more time on it but we talked about Sidney crosby for an hour and a half um and that's fine too well (laughs) (laughs) we did get some good questions um on twitter here let's start with a quick one Uh, max this is for you it's from lars which swedish city has the best chicken nuggets gothenburg or stockholm (laughs) lars is on a mission to make me tell this story on as many podcasts as possible because it sounds okay. otherwise like an insane this question. Sounds, this sounds like an insane Yeah, I feel like there's some yeah. context that's missing here. It's not, I just, I don't think, I don't see why I should have to, to, to take crap for this. I was jet lagged in Gothenburg the first time I ever left the continent. And I didn't okay. know that every restaurant was going to be closed on Sundays in Sweden, except for McDonald's. And mm-hmm. so I ate my first meal in Sweden was McDonald's chicken nuggets they weren't good because they had like no salt on them, probably because we're so unhealthy yeah. here in America. Yeah, where's the sodium? But I've been taking McDonald's, McDonald's secret ingredient, baby. It's sodium. <laughs> it, it, yum. I've been taking crap for this ever since that I my first Uh-oh. meal in Sweden was McDonald's chicken nuggets. I did, I haven't Who had cares? them in sauce. I've only had them in Gothenburg. I don't know but why I you're taking shit for that. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Lars, okay, Lars. Lars, I feel. I feel like I was duped into asking that question. I thought there was like a funny story, but you just went to McDonald's. So whatever. Um, Good for you. Congratulations yeah. on all your success. Okay. I'm glad you went to McDonald's. Um, I've actually always wanted to go to McDonald's in like Japan or France or something. Cause it actually looks good. Like the, Oh, the menu at the McDonald's I'm going way know. off track. The menu at McDonald's in Copenhagen looked wild. They had like a quinoa salad. And I was like, I'm not doing that. Well, that's the thing. It's like the so menus weird. are different. Like they have like the burgers look actually like real burgers and stuff like that. Instead of, like, so can you imagine going to McDonald's and getting a quinoa salad? No, if we're if we start getting into McDonald's slander on this pod, I'm pulling the plug. I no, will no, no. not stand I, for look, it. I like McDonald's. I I'm like slandering McDonald's, McDonald's. as a concept. Oh, it doesn't look like real. Like, oh, maybe the menu's better. McDonald's menu is already perfect. Sean, I'm gluten intolerant. I can't eat at McDonald's. The point oh, really? is I, that. Oh, you are. I had no. I had no yeah. idea. 
God damn it. Now I'm upset. Um, okay, let's go to this question from Jason, who is asking if he no longer needs to pay the troll toll in the athletic comment section. You do. You do. You need, um, to, you need to pay it in pennies and you send it to Craig Custance at 1234 Boogie Woogie Avenue, <laughs> Sterling Heights, Michigan. I miss Craig. What's he doing now? What's he doing these days? Who knows? Nothing. Mm. <laughs> Screwing okay. around. Does he have a job anymore? Anybody's <laughs> guess. Next question. Okay. The question from Jason actually is, if you're Devils GM Tom Fitzgerald, what goalie in the market would make the most sense for this team? Marc-Andre Fleury. Man, do we are we just going to say Fleury or Markstrom for... Okay, but Fleury what would have a relationship with a Tom Fitzgerald. Yes, he does. Just call up his friend Mark. Yes, he does. Do Ooh. people call him Mark or Mark Andre in person? I have this problem with Poulin all the time. Like, do I call Mark. you Marie or Marie Philippe? Depends. I just Depends say on- hey. I just say hey. How's it going? <laughs> Mark. You get a lot of flower in person. A lot of people just call him flower. Uh, you know what? I've actually become that cringe person who sometimes will say, like, I'll oh, we'll just call Poulin Poo. And I'm like, oh no. It's tough. Don't I hate Nick, the nickname bullshit. Nickname, I've become that person. Yeah. I said I called her poo on national TV last weekend and I was like really upset about it, honestly. Anyway, Tommy Fitzgerald and Bill Guerin. Ha- Tom Fitzgerald and Bill Guerin have been professionally and personally linked for decades at this point. Yeah. Is Flurry like I a definite a upgrade? Is he yes. a definite I mean, no. upgrade in twenty twenty? Over uh, over Van over yes. Okay, but his overall numbers are just fine. He's like a negative five goals again, a goal saved above expected goalie right now. Um, I think I th- I still think like when we're talking about Flurry, like he's got the pedigree, he's got three cups. Um, I think he would be good to like insulate. I'll take him. I'll take him in a playoff series over Vitek Vanacek hundred times out of a hundred. That's the consideration, though, right? Is like look at Flurry's track record. And like maybe his stat line isn't as good, at, like it's not a top ten stat line. He's a sub nine hundred goalie right now. When you look at the entire mm-hmm. season, um, but he's playing better lately. He started nine of the last ten for the Wild. Um, he's been better. He's been their number one. He over makes the last few he weeks. makes two and a half million dollars less against the cap for two less full seasons than Jacob Markstrom. It's <sighs> a consideration. Sean's trying to get Markstrom out of Calgary. I want Markstrom to go to Carolina and I want Flurry to go to the oh. Devils. Okay, can I Galaxy Brain? Yes. Is, is there yeah. a way Trevor Zegers and Jack Hughes had that dynamic oh. at at the program? What are you about to do? Is what there a package where where you can ship Zegers and Gibson to New Jersey and offload money? The, the, the Ducks are going to need a young defenseman. I don't know if it's John Marino, Jonas Siegenthaler, or I mean, obviously there's a pick in here somewhere too. Can you, can you work something out where the Ducks retain some on Gibson? They trade Zegris, they get back a forward, a young D and a pick. And, and we can do that. Can I galaxy the cap, and extent? the cap on the cap? I love how complicated the cap on that would get because the devils need to send, would need to send out obviously significant yeah, they have no because, money. because they have none, they have no cap space. So Gibson makes a ton Zegers, you know, as, as we know, but you're retaining on Gibson and you're probably sending Vanacek back. So we'll say that. So it's 3.4. I love this. 
I, I wish I, and I what, wish I like could just sit here three for five first or round picks. But like how, what yeah, like how much value it? how much value does John Gibson have? Really? I don't it's think it's the Zegris of it all. Uh-huh. Okay, but it's no. Zegris. But do you think that they And it's the fact that there's a ton of teams there's a ton of teams that need goalies right now. So there is going to be like a I think even if Gibson's not like the best option on the market, like a value of Gibson will go up because a lot of teams are going to want a goalie. Think of how many teams goalie situation sucks. We're talking about the Canes, the Devils, the Leafs. There's more than just what that, if, but yeah, I Zegers is the more interesting part of it to me. Like, like do you and what would the Ducks want? Is like Alexander Holtz. Is that like the start of a? Is that like the start of a package that you send back? Do you even want to do that if you're New Jersey at this point? Like, I don't know. I love yeah, it. I love I, it though. I, I, whether I mean you could. You could, I, I just think for the Ducks, there's got to be a way to get a, a good young D. They don't have to be super young. I don't, I'm not saying it has to be like a Simon Nemitz young, although I don't think. Well, I was going to say, would they get rid of, I was going to, I was about to bring up him. Is he tradable I, the devil, for the Devils? If it's so. Zegers and John Gibson coming in return? I think so. Do you think, but, Max, you think that, do you think the Ducks need like, a D coming back as, as the main piece there. I guess that's more the question. Like where, Probably like, where are so you? Many centers, I know. Well, just lost like, Drivesdale. Drivesdale. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and those, and that, that crew, that crew of guys, like, do they need one more I added to that so. group now? I think that's right, what like a right shot. Maybe. Nemich. Yeah. Right. yeah. Mm. I mean, I think you could maybe <laughs> draft it this year, but like, I, I just think like, Marino? I don't know. I, I, I am completely pulling this out of nowhere galaxy braining, but it's just like, mm-hmm. I thought Gibson and then I thought, wait, can Zegers be in this? Because the Zegers and Hughes factor. It'd be, it'd be fun. I think, I think Shane, just wrote something about that, by the way, like a, like a Zegers. I might, I might be making this up, but I, she I, did. I think she, she wrote, she wrote a Z, what's next for Zegers kind of, kind of. Well, it was like, could he be traded? Should he be traded? And what teams, like what teams should make the call? And she did not include the Devils. Oh. And I get why you wouldn't off base because mm-hmm. they already have like Hughes, Brett. They kind of have the small skill. But that's the problem. I don't think I don't think Tom Fitzgerald makes that trade because that was the consideration with the whole Johnny Gaudreau thing. Is like, well, we've already got small mm-hmm. skilled players. So if you don't want Johnny Gaudreau coming up, yeah, yeah, he plays like he's six <laughs> one. But like, if you're not going to trade for Johnny Gaudreau, you're talking talking about Zegers like he's you know Cole Caulfield or something. Don't he's not a little little guy. He's not just a little guy. Cole Caulfield did like a little "Let's Go Girls" before the Montreal game. He's like to quote Shania Twain, "Let's go, girls!" And then he just went like, (laughs) and the clip ended. And I'm like, I am obsessed with Cole Caulfield. He ran away away on his tiptoes. <laughs> so cute little boy. Yeah, he's like I he's the best. Huge fan. Um, okay, let's move on. I love that Galaxy Brain Max. I think it's amazing. I think we should all try to will it into the existence in, in 2024. Um, this is from Eric, and I think this fits well with what we talked about for most of the first segment. It's why I didn't bring up the Florida Panthers. Um, but Eric wants to know why are the Panthers so under the radar this year, even though they are one of the kind of top contenders in the eastern conference sean you like the panthers i love the panthers 
you can take this one. Why does nobody else love the Panthers? Why does nobody talk about the Panthers? I think it's Atlantic Division stuff. I think it's I think it's Leafs bias, pro Leafs bias, probably toward mm. towards the towards the what discussion where I think I think people just like talking about the Leafs and they like talking about the Bruins, and I think the Lightning are compelling, probably not for the reasons that they that they necessarily want to be. There's like that whole the whole the rest of the uh, of on the uh, on the back end of the Atlantic division, you know, people are fat. Like this, the Sens are a mess and the Sabres are disappointing and the Red Wings are kind of in the middle and went out and got Patrick Kane and whatever. You have all these like compelling storylines in that division. And then for the Panthers, it's just like, yeah, they're really, they're really good again. They dealt with the injuries early in the season. Kachuk's heating up, you know, on and on, you know, but Barkov Selkie caliber year, an actual Selkie caliber year, not a, not a fake silky caliber year like Sidney Crosby. Yeah. Um, like I think I think people just take them for granted at, at this point after after two I mean, I know that you know coaching change and all that stuff, but I think they've been good for a couple years now, especially during the during the regular season. I think people just kind of take them for granted. I agree. And I, I think one guy who I certainly had written off years ago who was having a great year is Sergei Bobrovsky, was not, you know, right about that at all. And I, I think <laughs> He gives them a very real chance every single night. And we all thought that contract was doomed and it totally honestly pretty fine. Yeah. I thought, la- I thought last year was going to be it for him. That was like the, that was like the season beginning prediction I made at the start of 22, 23 was like, this is the year the contract comes to roost and they get bit in the ass by it. And they're going to have to just bench him and roll with Spencer Knight. That was my prediction for 22, 23. Mm-hmm. Didn't turn out to be the case. So after that, I was like, I think I'm done. I think I'm just done saying that the bottom's going to fall out on on this guy. Cause we know like he might, he, is he going to be Vezina caliber? Like probably not, but he, he's also not going to be unplayable or whatever. And I think a lot of people, including me at times over the last couple of years have expected that to be the case. Yeah. And, and part of it was we expected Spencer Knight to be kicking the door down for the net and it just hasn't happened. And it, it is a reminder that, especially in goal at, at every position, but especially in goal, you cannot just assume that your top prospect mm-hmm. is the answer. And a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff happens, man, life happens and, 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 and whatever else. Yep. Okay. Last question. And there were a number of really good PWHL questions in here. And I just don't think we have time to get to them today. Um, but we can always do a PWHL mailbag or, or talk, have a bigger PWHL segment. Um, in future weeks, like we'll be around, we're not going anywhere and we'll keep talking about the league when we can. Um, but this was the first time we kind of all got together for, for an NHL pod. So I really liked this question for Samuel, uh, from Samuel, excuse me. And said, I find it interesting that heading into Thursday, Claude Giroux and Joe Pavelski have the same total number of career points at 1,040. My question is, if you could only choose one to make it to the hall of fame, who would you pick Hmm. and why? Between Claude Giroux oh, and Joe Pavelski. No cups. I think Giroux had the better peak. Mm-hmm. But I think Pavelski has kind of completed the arc. Like in terms of longevity, we talked about kind of getting better as you age. I don't know if he's better, but he's he's every bit the beast that he ever was. I think he's there. I, I think it's Pavelski. They're I, both, I they're both Hall of Famers. But Giroux is still good. Yeah, of course. Of course. Giroux's still career. a point per game. Drew's a yep. point per game player right now. Like, I think people are like, I'm not suggesting that you're forgetting this, but I think in all the conversations that have gone on about the Ottawa senators this season yep. and last, like people are maybe not 
remembering how like effective Claude Giroux has still been for that team. He had 35 goals last year. He's got 38 points in 39 games and that team's been a mess. So I don't want to write off Claude Giroux, but I think, yeah, and I agree with Sean. They're both getting to the Hall of Fame. But if we had to pick one, Sean, who do you think? I think the last few years of Hints, Robertson, Pavelski have mm-hmm. probably vaulted vaulted Joe ahead of ahead of okay. Joe. But I, I think they're I think they're really really close, and I think that it, just look at the production. I think there's I think Giroux still has the still has uh he's younger first off by a few yeah. years, yes. and also by and also has years. has that has that uh has that ability to have that late career kick you know where where he's maybe where you could easily imagine him being part of a some good sense teams down the line for as bad as for as bad as things are right right now a year from now we could be easily could be talking about oh yeah Clud- Cludger is you know bringing this to the number three in the Atlantic division, Ottawa senators or whatever. Yeah. Like old 39 year old Claude Drew playing on the top line with Brady Kachuk and Josh Norris and like just tapping in 20 goals or whatever. And Mac and Macklin Celebrini. Yes. How, uh, (laughs) how depressing is it by the way? I was just trying to think, I was going to see if there's something there about like Pavelski and, and where does he stack up with like the great old guys without a cup of the last like decade or two decades. Yeah. And I was just thinking every single one of the guys I was going to name was a shark. Like Marlowe, oh, yeah. it's just the sharks. They're Brutal. just the, those teams. The those teams are so. Those teams are so good. I I did a I had a little mini deep dive back into it whenever we had to do that, and we we threw together like a how, how like a cup winning team ranking in in the salary cap era that ran over the holiday and it really was man. You just go go through it every year and it's like uh oh, this team beat. Like they got past the sharks and they, they, they get a bunch yeah. of points for that because the sharks were really good. You said it like four or five different times, right? They, they were, that's the best, that's the best core not to win a cup that we've seen in quite a while. Yeah. And the team that we didn't really talk about um, at the, the first segment where we're talking about cup contenders, like I'm still on the stars the wagon. Their top nine is unbelievable. Yeah. We didn't talk about the sharks. Um, it's the Dallas stars wagon. And I think that like if, Pavelski wins a cup with the Dallas Stars that makes that debate a little bit easier in terms of like who gets in first or if you had to pick one Uh, because I feel like if one of those two is going to win a cup it's going to be Joe Pavelski in the next like two years a preseason pick baby me too I love the Dallas Stars I love that top nine go Stars also Joe Thornton's uh, number 19 jersey is going to be retired in San Jose during the 2024-25 season the team announced that on Wednesday afternoon. Well-deserved snaps. Absolutely. All-timer. Yeah, love it. That's a musty TV on TNT tonight, courtesy of producer Jeff here. That's that. old news. That. That's, That's why I didn't crazy. bring it up. No, no. no. Oh. <laughs> this okay. is coming out on Thursday. This is, it's Wednesday True. night. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to this, you would have watched that TNT game, though. Let us know what you think. Oh, was it wasn't that crazy to have the TNT studio guys calling a, calling a game from the studio because of weather stuff and in, in, in Buffalo? Who boy, that is crazy though. Let us know what you thought about the game because we haven't seen it yet. Let us know in the comments once you watch it good, on Wednesday. Night, good luck Thursday morning. Good luck to Liam McHugh. I'm sure he did a great job wrangling wrangling Biz and Biz and Anson Carter and. Henrik Lundqvist to do it. He doesn't get it. He doesn't get enough credit. 
Very good hey, hose. This is this is a pro Liam household. We should have Liam on the pod. He would. He's really funny. He he would he would come on. He'd be he'd be. We we should do that. Yeah, let's do it, Jeff. Let's do it. Sounds great. Um, that's the end of the show. It was we all missed each other very much because we talked for a long time. So I hope everybody enjoyed this really long and rambling episode of the Athletic Hockey Show. Please, please, please give us a five star rating and review <laughs> if you I'll want us cry. to talk for more than it. Yeah, you don't want Max to cry. I will cry like I cried while watching Past Lives last week. There was like full like you know what I'm not even gonna say it. I'm not even going to say it. You know what? I will. I already teased it. There was like full booger. You know, there was like tears, boogers. I was like, <laughs> so that's just Canadian say it booger. Is, booger. I, it is. Wow. It's, I didn't it's know a that. booger. Really that's unsettling. It's, you say it's booger? As, yeah. It's as bad as pasta or Mazda. Oh, that's, no, that's I don't think pasta. Don't, don't insult me. Mazda. Pasta. A Mazda. Ugh. What do you say? Mazda. 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 Like a matzo ball. But I say pasta, not pasta. I'm Italian. Don't insult me. Again, so. Booger is weird. Do you say caramel Ugh. or caramel? Neither. I just don't say it. <laughs> caramel. <laughs> I just, I yeah. never, I. It's not my thing. I don't, I've never had to say it. That's what, they say to what do you say? I'd Wrong. probably say caramel. I don't know, but I, I don't, I don't, I, it's not something I don't eat that. So is there glue? Is there uh is there peanut oil? And I feel like there's probably, there's probably a good dovetail between caramel and peanut products. Yeah. Like isn't, isn't Butterfinger that? Or I don't know. No, no way to find out. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, we just lost one of our five stars, but if it's a four star review, I will cry. <laughs> um, thanks everyone I'll eat for caramel. listening. Caramel or caramel, whichever you want me to do. Caramel, for, uh, caramel. For that wasn't it. Yeah. Uh, please give us a five star rating and review, guys. Follow us on YouTube as well. YouTube.com slash at the athletic hockey show. And right now you can get a one year subscription to the athletic for $2 a month when you visit the athletic.com slash hockey show. The next episode of the Athletic Hockey Show goes down on Friday with the Prospect Series with Corey Promen, Scott Wheeler, and Max Boltman. Give him five stars on Fridays as well, um, or he'll like eat a peanut and have to go to the hospital. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <laughs> eat a peanut. <laughs> What's wrong with you?